<laughs> Hello, boils and ghouls. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to the Horrorcon Lounge Podcast. <laughs> Before we hop into today's episode, Jeremy and I saw evil dead rise over the weekend so we just wanted to give you some of our spoiler free thoughts like we always do when we see new releases in the theaters and i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that this is gonna be the first time that you and i do not agree okay um before we get into our thoughts though we i well i should say i (laughs) had planned to do an entire, like, zombie-type episode with, like, untraditional zombie movies, including covering this in full, like, with spoilers and everything. Mm -hmm. But last time we did a new release, which would have been Scream 6, and discussed it in full with spoilers, we didn't get, like, that much positive feedback. Like, it wasn't bad, but, like, We had a lot of our routine, like, regular listeners saying, like, oh, I couldn't listen to the episode because I haven't seen it yet. Um, So we kind of wanted to avoid that for the future um, because we want you guys to be able to listen to the episodes. Uh, Obviously, that's (laughs) the point of doing it. But, um, yeah, so we are just going to do spoiler-free thoughts. Evil Dead Rise just came out this past weekend. So what was that? The... 14th or like the 13th or 14th whichever day it came out near you thursday or friday um and then that uh, is the no, date one, right no we're doing oh. the 20 today's the 23rd it just came out four days ago didn't it okay so it came out on the and 20th or 21st there you go there you go i was I very confused know. i was very confused well, <laughs> my life is um oh i have my board is outdated i've Okay, I'm looking at my calendar for April, and you made me push back the uh, chiller episode one week while we were in Michigan, so that's why my dates were all mixed up. That's okay. I'm like, okay, we're recording for the frailty episode, so that must mean it's the 14th. (laughs) I'm a mess. Okay. Anyways, so that just came out on the 21st uh, of April, and it's rated R. With a runtime of one hour and 36 minutes. Is that all it was? Yeah, uh-huh. Is that the type of episode it's going to be? Well, no, it, it felt much longer than that to me. <laughs> I, I'm just messing with you. The I am Wait until you hear these scores, though. Uh, IMBD, it has a 7.4 out of 10. And Rotten Tomatoes has an 84%. I- Everybody I've seen has been absolutely obsessed and in love with this movie. The budget was $19 million. And then what do you think the box office has brought in so far? Keep in mind we are recording this on Sunday the 23rd. And it just came out on technically the 20th, which would have been Thursday. $5 million. I don't know. $10.3 million so far. Unbelievable. Um, basically, it's a reunion between two estranged sisters that gets cut short by the rise of flesh-possessing demons, thrusting them into a primal battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish version of family imaginable. And that um, 
brief plot synopsis came directly from the internet, not my brain. So I should have read that before I went to the movies. Yeah. Starring Alyssa Sutherland as Ellie. Uh, You may recognize her from either Vikings or the Mist TV show. She's the only, to me, like recognizable face in this movie. A lot of them are newcomers. Lily Sullivan. I thought that the sister looked super familiar for some reason. She reminded me of the girl from The Walking Dead. I know it wasn't her, but she reminded me of a younger version of her. Lily Sullivan as Beth. Is that who you're talking about? Yes. Okay. Um, Nothing that I recognized her in when I looked up her IMDb. Mm. And then Nell Fisher as Cassie, which this was her uh, feature film debut, I believe. Yeah, I figured that. So this Tessa Tessa looked familiar, too. I thought I had seen her in something before. I'm not sure. Um, I didn't go that deep into it. Um, I just did those three because they were like my three kind of favorites. (laughs) Um, Something really interesting about this film was they actually shot it in chronological order, which is so rare nowadays, I feel like. When okay. when people are filming movies, I feel like they just film scenes all out of order. Um, but it was shot in chronological order, which was just a fun little tidbit. So go ahead, Jeremy. I know you're just super, super excited to tell us all about how much you loved this movie. So if you've seen my Facebook page, you know that I did oh, not. Oh, which I haven't. That's crazy. <laughs> I did not love this movie. In fact... I gave it a 3 out of 10 and said that it's probably the worst movie I've seen in the theaters in the last 10 years, quite possibly ever. Um, That's really sh- fucking dramatic, but okay. I struggled with this movie a lot. I There was not too much about it that I enjoyed. <laughs> it just, it seemed like it had a lot of blood just to have blood. Those are the best kinds. It felt like they forced a lot of the Evil Dead, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Evil Dead props into the movie. The The brown book, the Necronomicon, is that what it's called? Yeah. The way the kid finds this thing and the way they have these vinyl records for him to summon the demons just seems totally ridiculous to me you have well the first you only need to watch the first five to ten minutes of the movie (laughs) that was kind of stupid but it's totally random and not even really needed except to tell you oh hey there's going to be a sequel (laughs) um (laughs) there i couldn't it was i don't know it was so I struggled. I struggled a lot. You've got the ridiculous possession. You know, instead of a tree, it's an elevator this time. So that's fun. There's there's a point where all of these demons, like, fumigate into one ridiculous-looking creature thing. That reminded me kind of of, like, the thing a little bit. But at least that's what the thing is meant to do. I don't know. I just really, really struggled with this. They... You know, the zombies, like, pretend to be dead at times for a while for whatever reason, and then all of a sudden they're not dead anymore. (laughs) 
there's a random chainsaw in the parking garage. Like I, I just I don't I I didn't get it. I didn't like it. I thought the cast was really good. I liked the acting. I thought they did a great job. Um, you know, there's a cheese grater scene that's randomly used. That was pretty cool. But overall, this movie did absolutely nothing for me. And it reminded me why I'm not a fan of this franchise, because I just don't get it. I don't appreciate it. I'm just I'm not a fan. So you touched kind of on something, some more fun facts I had um, about those vinyl records. Do you recognize the voice on those records? I don't. Well, I guess the voice on one of the records, not the priest that's talking, but there's, I believe, two voices at least. Uh, one of them was actually a Bruce Campbell cameo. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Just just the voice. You know, you don't see him at all, but just the voice on one of those vinyls was Bruce Campbell. And then... The excessive amounts of blood. Do you want to take a stab at how many, how much blood was used? I could tell you my answer that I have here is in gallons. I was, I mean, it, I would have to say probably at least a hundred gallons. It felt like there was endless amounts of blood for no reason whatsoever. Okay, so it. I feel like you saying a hundred gallons, and then saying excessive amounts of blood is very um, contradictory of each other um, just for the fact that there was 1,720 <laughs> gallons of blood used. <laughs> okay. So we'll stick to you guessing the box office numbers because you're at least a little bit closer with those. You're getting better <laughs> at the box office numbers. Um, but we'll uh, forgo gallons of blood. I said it seemed excessive. I said it it seemed excessive, and that's very excessive. Yeah, which I is one of the reasons why I liked the movie. Um, Now, I I fucking love gore, which I mean, you know, I love gore and unnecessary violence and gross things. Yeah. Um, So that's just something where we differ in our likes and dislikes of horror, but you know. It wasn't the world's greatest movie. Will I watch it again? Probably not anytime soon. Um, I'd have to give it a 7 out of 10 maybe. Or no, a 6 out of 10. Um, So I'm thinking more of like a 3 out of 5 type. Um, So I'd probably give it like a 6, 6.5 out of 10. Um, Maybe 7. I don't really know how I'd rank it still, but... I didn't think it was as awful as Jeremy made it seem, but it wasn't like 10 out of 10 best movie ever. Like a lot of the people I'm seeing, what, what I am finding is it's very controversial. Like people either love it and they're like 10 out of 10 best movie in ages. Or they're like, I hate it. This is fucking awful. Um, where me, I'm just like, eh, it was okay. Like I, I'd watch it again sometime in the future, probably, but more of a, like, you know, I'd put it on in the background while I'm doing my meal prep for the week type thing. Um, I don't think I'd like sit down on my couch with a bucket of popcorn and watch it to watch it again. Like I do with, you know, Terrifier and Would You Rather and like some of my favorite movies, Saw, you know, those mm-hmm. types of things I can put on and just watch over and over. This I'd maybe put on in the background sometime in the future, but not, you know, to be fully invested. But I was pleasantly surprised um, 
I feel like a lot of the good parts were definitely in the trailer, which is super, super, super common nowadays. Um, And that's why I try not to watch trailers. Like, I try to avoid them like the goddamn plague. Like, I, because I feel like they typically give away the whole movie, the, I want to say one of the only good things that was not in the trailer was that she's greater scene, which like, <laughs> I was just like, holy shit. Like I am going home and throwing away every fucking cheese grater I own in case my house gets possessed by these fucking zombie things. Um, because I don't want no cheese graters anywhere near me when this happens in my life. Um, so no, no cheese graters in my house anymore. There you go. But that was kind of, I guess, two very different takes on evil. I don't have like a ton to say about it, but you know, it wasn't as bad. And I hate the evil dead movies, but I think I hate them more because of Bruce Campbell, to be honest. Um, Like just, I'm not a fan of him, but I I enjoyed the first one for what it was, which was corny and just fun, but I didn't like any of the others or get into the series at all. The other thing, the other thing I disliked about this movie one of the things that drove me nuts in the first movie was when they lock the one zombie in the basement and it's just giggling the whole time. They brought that giggling back in the hallway and it drove me nuts again. <laughs> my, I think my favorite part of this entire movie, which was just unique to my experience and no one else can say this, but is every like 20 or 30 minutes I see Jeremy peeking over to see if I'm awake, which is fucking hilarious to me. Because <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter what the movie is, he's always like monitoring me to make sure I'm awake. Um, so I'm just like, well, I was ready to fall asleep, so I was wondering if you were. <laughs> oh my god! Like I, it's just so fucking funny. I'm like, I, I see you like spying on. Me. I see you seeing if I'm awake. Like, yeah. oh my god. <clears throat> the only other thing that I wanted to add, I, I mentioned that I thought the acting was really good. I want to say that the main females, the Alyssa, Tessa, and Cassie, and Lily, were all phenomenal. Like, I thought every one of them were spot on as far as just being creepy and, you know, good for their part. I didn't think Danny, the boy, did anything, like, (laughs) earth-shattering. And, in fact, I felt like he was the weakest cast member in the movie. Yeah. Cassie, who is the youngest one, she was really good for being that young, I felt like. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, no, I liked her. I thought she was good. I liked Lily a lot. And, I mean, Alyssa definitely had a Academy Award-winning performance as far as being possessed and saying creepy lines and looking creepy. Like, she definitely nailed the role. You know, right. my my review is not meant to, you know, attack the actors because I thought they all did a, a, a great job. For With the what part. they were given. Yeah. Yeah. I just was not into the movie at all. I thought it was absolutely kind of ridiculous. I mean, at one point there's like blood pouring out of Tessa's eyes for no reason. And I'm like, that doesn't even happen. She has a nosebleed. I've never seen so much blood come out of somebody's nose for a nosebleed in my life. Like, it just felt like so much forced gore. Yeah, I think, were you talking about Bridget for when you mean the blood pouring out of the eyes? Uh, no, I thought it was, 
Tessa. Uh, well, there's Teresa or Teresa, who that was just the girl from the beginning scene. Oh, am I getting her name mixed up? It was Bridget. I'm sorry. I keep saying, why am I saying Tessa? I meant Bridget. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's why I just wanted to clarify. I thought that was her name. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was Bridget. She's in the kitchen and like, she's got the spider, the spider looking thing. Like when she's got the cut on her face from the, um, Bridget. Yeah. Tattoo machine. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's hard Sorry. to give like so insert Bridget reviews. instead of Tessa. <laughs> it's hard it, to give spoiler free reviews because you basically know what's gonna fucking happen in the movie. It's not like yeah. something that could be spoiled or not spoiled. It's you know the fucking plot of the movie going into it, to be honest. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh our thoughts on Evil Dead. And I do have to say another thing that Jeremy and I will disagree on unrelated to Evil Dead Rise is I am not thrilled with the quality of the episode that you're about to listen to. It sounds to me, this was an on the road episode, but it sounds to me like we're in a wind tunnel. Um, and then we did record this on our way home, which it was pouring rain. So I think that could oh, also be affecting that... it. We were going a different direction. So I don't know, but it does sound like there is a lot of background noise. So if it is hard for you to listen to, we understand um, if you forego this episode, but you can still hear us. It's not like fucking detriment like that. It just I kind of tuned it out. But, you know, just a heads up that it wasn't on the road episode. We did do it live. So that's there's nothing really we could do about it. It's something that we wanted to test out and. We're sorry if you are not happy with the background noise, but I don't think it's that bad. I think you can tune it out. But that's just my little disclaimer. Um, But yeah, we hope you enjoy the episode of us preparing for Chiller, which is coming up on the 29th, 30th, and this weekend. First, yeah. Yeah, this weekend. All right. So we will see you next Monday. Yep. Welcome to the Horrorcon Lounge. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Kristen. And on today's episode, well, first off, we are still on the road, like we are in like seven other episodes or something like that. I lost count. One other episode by the time this plays. Well, by the time this plays, it'll be (laughs) one other episode. But trust me, we have plenty of on the road content for you. Um, And they'll all come at random times. But it's coming. So this is our preparing for Chiller Theater episode. Chiller is coming up this weekend and Jeremy will be doing some consignments for that show as well along with getting a bunch of his own stuff signed. I may go for one day. I did change my mind. I was set on not going. It'll kind of depend on financial things for me, um, but I may go one day to meet the guy that plays Bert in Cabin Fever, because I really enjoyed that movie. So we'll see. But on today's episode, we are talking about three different movies that have people in them that we are going to be meeting at Chiller. And so we'll start with Frailty, which was recommended by Stacy Lee. She said this is a must watch for her. Frailty came out in 2001, and it is like a thriller horror Uh, Rated R, and it has a runtime of one hour and 40 minutes. The Rotten Tomatoes score is 75%, 
and the IMDb score 7.2 out of 10. The budget was $11 million and the box office, any guesses? You probably have no idea. No idea. Yeah. $17 million. Shut up. It was 17.4. Ah! Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. I was about to just say that out loud. What the? Holy shit. And out of this movie, Jeremy Sumter plays a young Adam who will be at Chiller. Yes. So. This also had Matthew McConaughey, who I really love as an actor. So that caught me off guard because I didn't realize that this was one of his movies. Yeah. So that was a pleasant surprise. Because I, did, I went into it blind since it was so highly recommended by Stacy. And she did tell us, she said, don't look up a single thing about it. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't look up the cast. I didn't, you know, look up anything about the movie. Right. So when I saw him in there, I was, you know, surprised, but also excited because typically I love Matthew McConaughey movies. I didn't... Sorry, I keep yawning. I'm fucking tired um so i didn't look up anything before i watched the movie but i did have to uh look stuff up after because this movie was a struggle for me yeah i think we both fell asleep watching it at least once yeah it took me like five tries to watch this movie in its entirety it is a very very slow burn it's a very slow burn movie and the end result is fun. It's a fun concept in the end, but man, it was really slow. So it was difficult for me to get through. Yeah. Um, do you want to kind of do a rundown of the plot? Well, for me, it was a lot like supernatural in movie form. You have a father who's trying to uh, do the work okay. of God in a sense. Because yeah. he's got two boys, one one is seven, one is ten, I think. They're they're young. And he convinces them that God has shown him visions of so, demons that are in human form. Right. So the movie actually opens with a person named Fenton Fenton Meeks, which I thought was like a weird name. Uh he visits uh, like a police office, and he's claiming that he knows who the God's Hand killer is. That the police office is looking for this God's Hand killer. That's yes, what his nickname that's his name. is. Yeah. And Fenton tells them, like, I know who it is. It's my brother Adam. And then Fenton goes on to say that Adam committed suicide, which is not true. Uh, well, s spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. You don't find that out, though, until the end. Right. Um, and so then Fenton, you know, was asked to fulfill a promise to bury Adam in a public rose garden in their hometown. Yep. So this is kind of, you know, he then begins to tell the FBI agent about their childhood and then he also says, look, you know, all of the bodies of the God's Hand victims are buried in this rose garden. And so almost the whole movie, like I would say not, probably 98% of it is a flashback. Yes. And then there's like flashbacks within flashbacks. Yes. And yeah, I don't do good with flashbacks. You guys already know that if well, you listen to all of our other episodes. Definitely challenging to follow along with the movie because it's a little, it jumps a, a, it's all a little. It's a little all over the place. Yes. Um, so it takes place with the children in the summer of 1979, and this is you know what you were saying at the beginning, where the father has 
visions of these demons in human form, and he is supposedly tasked by God uh, to destroy these demons. Yes. But the mission must be kept a secret. Correct. Um, but know. it's interesting the way they go about doing it, because, like, the first one is just, like, your typical... Um, I don't want to say random kill, but it's a kill where it's not, like, suspicious. It, they just do what they need to do, get the job done. But then the second one is, like, broad daylight. And the dad is basically, like, God will blind anybody watching. I forget exactly how he phrases it. Yeah. But something to the extent of, you know, he'll take their vision away. Because this has to be, this needs to be done. And the entire time, like, one of the boys believes in him but the other boy is really skeptical yeah and the father is sort of led quote unquote uh to three different tools an oh, axe yeah. Yeah. a pipe and a pair of gloves so he sort of gets this list of names that he's supposed to be destroying and he basically knocks out a woman with a pipe and brings her home to then kill her with the axe. Um, when he touches her, he is claiming he sees the vision of her evil, and then he kills her and makes his two sons bury the body with him in the rose in garden. The rose garden. So the one son, Fenton, is horrified and believes his father's fucking crazy. Adam says he sees the visions too and he is supporting his father in this. Yes. So which I know you did already touch on that. Um, but that's just who was who. So on a random side note, we just did another episode about roses. So it's I was funny. thinking that too. It's funny that we have a rose theme going on here I know. inadvertently. But yeah, I was thinking that too. That's so funny. Anyway. So after, you know, they tell the FBI about the first killing... They drive to Thurman, which is their hometown. On the way, the FBI agent is telling Fenton that his mother was actually murdered by someone that was never caught. And then Fenton tells the cop how they took the second victim in broad daylight, uh, which the father insisted God would blind any witnesses. Right. So... One night, Fenton's father tells him that after praying for the angel to visit Fenton, um, the angel instead visited him and told him something bad about Fenton. So he makes Fenton dig a hole, and then Fenton's like, fuck this, God isn't real. Like, he just abandons all his faith. Um, So their father makes this hole that he dug into, like, sort of a storm cellar type thing, and he moves the shed on top of it. And then Fenton escapes from the cellar, and then he is returned. And, um, you know, fuck, do you know what happens now? Like, Fenton's, like, just locked in this basement because he's not believing his father. Yeah, because he's not working together with the family. Yeah. Um, so this is, um... Their father kills the sheriff and is angry with Fenton for making him murder an innocent man. Is that correct? That is correct. Welcome to Pennsylvania. Woohoo! Okay, go. So, 
After they bury the body, Fenton's father tells him that Fenton was a demon. So he's encouraging him to have faith um, because, you know, he needs to help. And he's locked in the cellar for over a week. And then Fenton then finally claims that he's been enlightened and he believes and stuff. And just his father releases him to carry out the next killing. And Fenton's, like, seemingly cooperating with his father to take the next victim. Um, but just before his father hits the man with the pipe, um, you know, ugh, this it's so fucking confusing. Um, this scene was so weird. Fenton gets ready to kill the man with the axe and then kills the father instead. Like... It's, it's a bunch of, like, fake-out after fake-out type thing. Like, not fake-out, but, like... You're misled. Yeah, but like... intentionally. They're, they're trying to lead you to believe that Fenton has finally sided with his father and his brother to carry out and have the same faith. But ultimately, Fenton... They don't necessarily show it, but he doesn't want to convert to that. And he ends up killing the father instead to try and get out of this crazy lifestyle that they're living. Yeah, and so as um, Fenton is trying to release this man, Adam, the other son, takes the axe and kills the man after all. So, while burying two men, Fenton makes Adam promise to bury him in the garden if Adam ever destroys him. So... The FBI agent is so confused by the phrasing since he said Adam killed himself. Um, so Fenton then reveals to the FBI agent that he actually is Adam. It's then revealed that Adam also killed his brother who grown up who like grown up to be the actual God's hand killer. Um, this is like where more flashbacks come in. So there's a series of murders not related to the crimes committed by Adam and his dad. And the FBI agent is, like, just astonished at all of the graves that they find in the Rose Garden. Flashbacks inside of flashbacks <laughs> show that Adam did, in fact, share the visions with his father of the crimes that those they abducted. So, like, you see... Like, they're not demons, but they committed other sins. Correct. Like, these people that they've been killing and saying are demons committed other sins. And so they saw the sins that they committed. Right. Um, so. Which is, I don't want to say ridiculous, but everybody commits some kind of sin at some point. Oh, or yeah, absolutely. So is everybody considered to be a demon? Right. That's, that's basically it, yeah. And the whole movie, like... It's kind of, you're trying to think, like, is his father actually crazy or is he actually, like, what's going on? And it's crazy to find out that, like, the father actually was seeing shit. Yes. Like, that's kind of the plot twist of the movie. Yeah, he wasn't um, just a crazy killer. But, he, I mean, you have your questions throughout the film yeah. because you're wondering, you know, what is the end game? What are they really trying to instill in you what are they trying to make, lead you to believe what are they trying to get you to believe right and the whole time you're questioning like 
the father, you just think that he's the bad guy, essentially. Right. So, Adam, who is still alive and didn't commit suicide and was the person claiming to be Fenton, um, he's now with the FBI officer, and when he touches him, he gets a vision that lets him find out that he is the one that killed his own mother. Because, and he was on Adam's list of demons to kill. So Adam kills him in a grave that he was prepared, uh, like he already had prepared. Um, and this was all a whole scheme to get to the FBI agent and be able to get him alone to kill him. Then uh, the, this FBI agent obviously disappears and another agent um, can't seem to remember Adam's face. And like the security tapes are also like obscured by static whenever Adam is in view. Like the tapes are fine, like they're still there, but like there's always static just right over Adam's face. Yes. Like it's so weird. Um, Which leads you to believe that he's a demon. Yeah. So the FBI then raid Fenton's house, finding the God's Hand list and the it's Officer Doyle's badge, who was the FBI agent that was killed. So they corroborate him being the killer. Then the other agent visits Adam Meeks, who is a nearby county sheriff, to tell him Fenton was the killer. And then they shake hands and Adam declares the agent a good man. So it's also fucking wild that Adam is a sheriff in another town and like no he pretty much got away with everything because they think Fenton was the killer right it's just very weird yeah it was a very strange movie I, I didn't care for it very slow yeah a lot of flashbacks a lot going on and like I said it felt a lot like supernatural to me at least the beginning seasons right but there was not an urban legend going on to at least keep you interested in that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, I thought the character development was good. I thought they, all the characters did a good job. But ultimately, like you just said, I really struggled with this movie too. I'd, I'd probably give it like a 6 out of 10 maybe. That's high. I was thinking like 4 out of 10. Was not my favorite of the Yeah, three, just sure. not my cup of tea. I can see why people do like it. Um, there, there's just a lot going on, and it was very slow. Um, just not my personal cup of tea. Up next, we have the Slumber Party Massacre from 1982. This one is rated R with a runtime of one hour and 22 minutes, and it's just your typical horror slasher movie. A lot of cheese. Yep. Some gore. Some nudity. Oh yeah, you get boobs in the first two minutes. Yeah, you get a little bit of everything in this one. I haven't seen it in years, so it was fun to go back and rewatch this one. Yeah. So it has a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes and a budget... Nope, look, that's wrong. A 45% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb. I also stopped telling you guys where you can watch the movies for free at because I've noticed this happened several times with me and Jeremy. I'd watch them at the end of a month and be like, oh, I watched it on 
Tubi or I watched it on Netflix or whatever. And then Jeremy would go to watch and be like, it's not on Netflix. What are you talking about? Like I had to pay to rent it. And when the month switches over, they get rid of everything we freaking watch. So because I, we'd plan around like what we can watch for free. And then I'd tell Jeremy and when he, by the time he went to go watch it, he'd have to pay for everything. So that's why I stopped telling you guys where you can stream it. Um, but if you ever like have questions and you want to watch it in a certain month, like I can kind of look up and help you find it. Um, see if it's for free anywhere. But the budget was two hundred and twenty thousand. Oh wow! Yeah. I didn't know that. What was the box box office guesses? Um, I don't know, six million. Three point six million. Oh, okay. Um, one of just the. That's successful if you think about it oh uh, it's very successful yeah i think this more so became sort of like a cult classic type movie yeah um i don't yeah yeah that's what and we watched this because it has brink stevens as linda grant in it and also our favorite michael vieja uh, we just recently met a who we did just recently met he played the villain who is russ thorne <laughs> so one of the notes that I put down, just for my own, like, personal notes that are not related to the plot of the movie, is, like, some of the screams in this were, like, bone-chilling and went right through me. They were very good at screaming. Like, <laughs> no, that sounds ridiculous, but, like, some of the times the screams seem, like, fake or overdramatic or not scary enough. Like, these screams were just bone-chilling and very good, I thought. Um, did you not, do you disagree? I didn't really notice. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That wasn't something that stood out to me. I was too, too busy paying attention to the boobs. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, basically starts off, it, all about high schoolers, and there's lots of them, and they were, it was very, the whole time I was telling, because we actually watched this one together, yeah. uh, which doesn't happen too, too often, if you think about it. Not anymore. Um, because... We live like an hour and a half away, but this we happened to both be free that weekend, and so I uh, crashed Jeremy's house and uh, watched it with him. And then, so it starts with, a high, and the whole movie, I'm like, I don't know who it's who, and I'm on fucking IMDb trying to figure out, like, who is this person, who is that person, and I'm Googling pictures to match their outfits, and then that's when I realized that's maybe when subtitles would come in handy because it would say their character name before their line so we could see when they're talking. Well, I know the first person you see is the new girl in town. Well, I, I got it figured out after some thorough research. Oh, good. So it basically starts with... There's a speed trap ahead. There's so many speed traps. This is like our millionth one we passed, like, pr probably. Oh, at least six. It's facing literally but it's crazy um okay so starts with a high schooler who is named trish deciding to throw a slumber party when her parents are out of town and you also see like news on the tv of an escaped mass murderer um who is russ thorne so those are two major players in the movie and then you see him first kill we see him kidnapping and killing a telephone repair woman yeah she's super cute oh she is very cute yeah there's, there's a guy who thinks very highly of himself 
he seems like he's a very arrogant, cocky guy, and he, like, challenges his friend. He's like, I bet you I can talk to her, or whatever he says. There's a speed trap ahead. Like, seriously, do you guys hear that shit? I'll just already, in a matter of five minutes, we passed this two of them. probably on our side. So. But he does. He ends up talking to her. He helps her take her ladder back to the van. And next thing you know, she gets, um, I don't say kidnapped, but she's in the van. Well, she's, she gets snatched in her van. Go, like, yeah. and then um, he steals her van. And then you see all the high schoolers in the locker room, which I don't know about anyone else, but like my, like high school, like we never freaking showered after gym class or anything like that. Like everyone's fucking naked and showering together and it's weird. This was the early 80s. The movie came out. Yep, 1982. Because I feel like Nightmare on Elm Street 2, they showered after gym too. That's just one that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. So there's basically some locker room talk and Trish is wanting to invite the new girl Valerie to the sleepover but she declines because she heard all the other girls talking shit like they're like this was after gym class where they played basketball and Valerie definitely stood out as a really good basketball player too yeah so they're all a little bit jealous of Valerie but um, Trish is really wanting to invite her because she's new and you know let's you know be nice to her or whatever and then it seems like a majority of the group of girls actually want her to be invited to the party and it's really just the girl that I don't even think it's her house I just think she's well no it's Trish's house yeah yeah but the one is so against it so after school one of their classmates Linda who is played by Brink Stevens forgets a book in her locker or wherever she's keeping her books i'm assuming in her locker locker, um so she's she goes back into the school to retrieve the book but she gets locked inside and then she's attacked by russ thorne who at this point you see has a very unique weapon of choice which is this big long power drill thing crazy so the slumber party begins with the girls. They're all drinking and smoking, and you flash to Valerie is across the street. Um, they, she lives super close to where the slumber party is taking place, and she's with her younger sister, Courtney, who is, like, a lot different than Valerie. And I kept saying the whole movie, Valerie is super freaking pretty. Yeah. Like, sure. Valerie is gorgeous. Um, and Courtney... Not so much. You can see she was cast to be, like, a little bit of a dork, like, introvert, shy type. Um, Well, going back to Brink Stevens, she's the second one who dies. Yeah. You don't actually see her death, but it's a cool little scene where she's trying to hide from the killer. Because he, he drills her arm initially, so she's bleeding like crazy. And she hides in this little room, and she would have been successful, but the blood actually goes out of the door. And that's how Russ knows where she is. He sees the blood on the floor coming out the crack of the door, and he goes in. You don't actually see him kill her, but you know that she screams, like you said, and then it goes to the next scene. Right. So then we see Jeff and Neil, who are two male classmates of the girls, and they are spying on the girls (laughs) at their slumber party, and they're watching them getting changed. Which is hilarious, because... They're not very hidden. 
they're right outside the I was window. just going to say, they're just standing right next to the, They're not even, like, using binoculars or anything. They're just standing right on the window looking in. Like, I, I don't know how they didn't notice them. Um, but then we see Russ killing uh, Trisha's neighbor outside with his little drill, doing the drill, good old drill kill. Yeah. Um, which the neighbor was actually supposed to be kind of keeping an eye on Trish, Trish yeah. while um, the parents were away. And he knew she was throwing a party. Yeah. Because he was in the house. It was kind of weird. I was just going to say, it seems like really weird. Ooh, Arby's. I really want Arby's for lunch, but not at 1040 in the morning. So, but I, I want Arby's. It was okay. very weird. <laughs> um, he was creepy. But he's very creepy. He had no intentions of doing anything, or so it seemed. I don't know. He was know. just a strange just, guy. Yeah, he was just very weird. Um, and then one of the girls, Diane, goes to her boyfriend's car. She's trying to sneak away for a little bit to get get some or whatever she's trying to do, meet up with her boyfriend, because the slumber party was strict, no boys allowed. Right. Um, and then she finds her boyfriend decapitated, and then she gets murdered as well. And then kind of next up is one of my personal favorite scenes is the pizza delivery guy shows up and both of his eyes are drilled out. And it's just a really like gross, grotesque looking scene. Um, and one of the girls end up s still eating the pizza after it's like been on this dead guy's body. Cause like the pizza guy like falls over and the pizza landed like kind of on top of him. Would you say like next to him sort of, yeah. um, and Holy rain. I feel like you can probably hear that in the episode. Um, but anyways, that was my favorite scene with the pizza delivery guy showing up. And so all of the teens are like arming themselves with different knives and stuff around the house. And then, the two guys that were spying on them, Jeff and Neil, they try to run for help, but they end up both getting killed. So this part was so funny. Um, Russ is gaining entry into the house and murdering the girls. Um, but Trish and Kim barricade themselves in the one bedroom. And so they think they're like safe. And then Russ sneaks in through the open window, which, was that the window that the guys were spying through? Maybe, I don't remember. I thought it was a bathroom, but uh, I could be wrong. Oh, okay. I don't remember offhand. Um, so he ends, he sneaks through the window and kills Kim, and then Trish is just like, bye, bitch, and she, like, flees. Um, and then, so you see, Valerie and Courtney are now suspicious of, like, noises that they hear, like, the ones like, I think I heard a scream, you know, and yeah. so they go enter the house and they find Kim dead. And so now they're hiding from Rush. Or, well, Russ. Well, it's funny because the, who's the, the younger one that she's watching her little sister, Courtney, Courtney yep. opens the fridge two or three times. And there's a dead body. Inside well, that the was fridge. the very last scene. I'm pretty sure. Like that was towards the end more. That was when they went over to the house to explore. Right, right, right. But I don't think that happened yet. Because oh. the, there was a whole scene of back and forth of them, like, hiding and trying to get away. Okay. Um, so. Sorry, I'm focusing on the road. So I'm jumping in when I can. <laughs> and Coach Jana 
is one of what was it were they playing basketball or volleyball or I think it, yeah basketball. Um, she was on the phone with them earlier, and it was a kind of a concerning phone call. And so she goes to check out the sleepover, and she's confronted by Russ, who fucks her up with the drill, basically like disembowels her. And then, you know, this is where I think they have that refrigerator scene. So you can go ahead and talk about it. I thought it was like. just funny because Courtney's looking for beer, I think. And her sister's yelling at her. But she's she, not, like, looking in the fridge as she's opening yeah. it. She's pulling it open and still talking to her sister, Valerie, and then right. she closes it. Right. And then each time, like, the body, like, falls out a little bit, and then when she closes it, it gets pushed back in, and then she opens it up again. And same thing, like, she's not looking in the fridge. She just keeps opening it and closing it. And it's definitely a little bit of a comical moment. Yeah. And then finally, they do end up seeing the body fall out of the fridge. Right. Um, so then things... But then that's weird because Russ just lays there, like, in the middle of the living room floor. Yeah. He, like, puts a blanket over top of himself and just chills. <laughs> yeah, and so now we've got, like, the final chase scene. Uh, Valerie, which, who is the super pretty one, is chasing Russ with the machete. And he, she eventually cuts off his hand and then slices his stomach open and... Russ ends up falling backwards into a swimming pool and he's starting to sink. And then just moments later, he comes out and attacks again. Uh, but Valerie finally kills him with a machete. And then, you know, they, Valerie, Trish, and uh, Courtney are just like all like just fucking in shock and amazed. And that is the end of Slumber Party Massacre. So, Jeremy, I think you were kind of skeptical on how I would feel about this movie. I was. Um, but what do you think I thought of it? Um, I don't know. You seemed to enjoy it. I did. You stayed awake. What the fuck? It was a lot like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't I know. I guess it was a lot like Halloween, in a sense, where you had the various houses... It was a lot more exciting than Halloween, I think. Yeah. There was a lot more action. There was a lot more action, for sure. I have no complaints about Halloween. I mean, Halloween is one of my top favorites, but there, this was a very, very well done. Um, I loved it. I'd say you know, eight and a half out of ten. Oh, nice. Look at you. Yeah, I loved it. It's good. Yeah, I'd like this movie a lot, too. I'm Makes me regret not getting that drill kill photo op. I'm like eight and a half, nine out of ten. And knowing that it was such a, a low budget, too, really makes me appreciate it even more now. Because I would have thought, maybe not like millions of dollars, but I would have thought at least like a million dollar budget yeah. franchise type thing. Because there were several more. I've not seen the sequels. I've heard they're kind of bad. But... Yeah, I think there's like four total in the franchise. Four or five. And I didn't actually know this was remade recently in the 2022, 2022 three or 2021 remade either. really recently so i'd love to check out the remake honestly yeah. so that could be a fun episode where we just talk about remakes of some of the movies we like yeah. we can do the thing what was the thing remake um john carpenter's the thing is a remake no 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 i know technically yes but i'm talking about the 2011 one is that a remake of the thing or is that like a different movie i think it's a prequel i think it's a different movie. oh okay okay 
All right. Anyways, that's hills getting have eyes would be fun. way off topic. Yeah, I'd love to do the hills have eyes. Um, I'm sure there's a ton that we could do. Uh, my bloody Valentine could be. Did you watch the original one of that? Or okay, yeah. So that could be a fun one. Anyways, getting way off topic. Um, just brainstorming here a little bit. But that was Slumber Party Massacre. Our third and final movie in preparation for Chiller Theater is Insidious. This is the one that was voted on by you guys, the listeners, right? I totally forgot about that, but yeah, it was. Um, and I'm some really... of the other options? They had Leprechaun on there. Oh my gosh, I don't remember. Leprechaun... Um... Leprechaun was the second one that was like in second place. Uh -huh. um, Mikey was one of them. The uh, God, I don't, I don't remember honestly. Okay, I thought it was like six or seven options. There was, I just don't fucking remember. Opinion. Yeah, by a landslide. This is rated PG thirteen, and it is a horror thriller with a runtime of one hour and forty three minutes. Came out in two thousand ten or two thousand eleven, depending on where you look. It's one of those things where it's like. Came out film festivals one year, then theatrical the next year. Um, had a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb and a 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. Budget was 1.5 million. Any box office guesses? Well, I actually saw it. Remember? Okay. It was over 100 million. 100.1 million. So this one made the cut because we will be seeing Barbara Hershey, who played Lorraine Lambert. Um, she was josh's mom so it's interesting because she was also in a couple of stephen king movies that i had my eye on oh yeah yeah i want to say desperation was one of them but anyway just right. that name stands out to me yeah okay uh lynn shea is also in this which fucking she's, she's in, in everything movies, yeah. well that's because uh, robert shea is the owner of the film company i believe but i also don't have anything like written down but i know this is uh James Wan and uh, I believe Jason Blum as well before Blumhouse Productions was a thing um, and don't mind the crinkling just moving my garbage around here so it's from like the makers of Saw and Paranormal Activity so you know I'm gonna love it because I just love me some James Wan and Jason Blum and shit so I, re I really think Jason Blum is involved but don't don't quote me um, so we start out with a family moving into a new house, and I'm also probably going to say the main girl's name wrong the entire time, so if that's going to bother you, I'd probably shut off the episode now, because I'm going to call her Renee, but I think it's like Renai or something. I'm not quite sure. It's spelled really weird. So the family is Josh and Renee are the two parents, and then you've got three kids, uh, two sons, Dalton and Foster, and then a baby girl named Callie. So Dalton, the one young son, is exploring the house and he sneaks into the attic where he is climbing up a ladder and gets kind of startled or something. The ladder breaks and there's a mysterious thing that happens in the attic and he falls and then the next day he slips into a coma. He's been hospitalized for three months, um, but they've got no answers over the past three months, so they end up just taking him home. And then back at the house, like all types of crazy shit starts happening. You know, she, uh, Renee hears the baby monitor making weird noises. 
the house alarm randomly goes off in the middle of the night. Like, just all kinds of crazy shit happen- is happening. Yeah, this is, like, supernatural, isn't it, too? Like, one of the very, very yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Very, um, supernatural, possession-y, like, vibes. Right. Um, another crazy thing that happens is Foster says he gets scared when Dalton walks around at night. Which is really fucking creepy because Dalton's in a coma, so... Yeah, so that's really weird. He shouldn't be walking around at night. Ah! Would you stop? Sorry. Scary. Okay. And then also, Renee finds a bloody handprint on Dalton's bed when she's, like, going through his room. And then she begins to see, like, this creepy, long-haired ghost that tries to attack her. And then the Lamberts decide to move. And, you know, Renee thinks the house is haunted, so that's why they move. But so, You know, moving is always the easy solution. Yeah, but uh, did that fix their problems? Uh, no. Of no, course not. Not at all. So the supernatural activity continues in their new home when Renee sees a ghost of a little boy dressed in, like, old-fashioned clothes. Like, old, old-fashioned period piece attire. So they call up Jace, uh, wow, Jason is on my brain today, okay. Josh's mother, Lorraine, who was played by Barbara Hershey that we will be seeing at Chiller this weekend, um, she arrives and explains that she had a nightmare about a demon with a red face in Dalton's bedroom. She, lipstick face demon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he looks kind of like, what, what is that red face guy from Star Wars? Neither of us watch Star Wars, so I don't know, but like, what is it, Darth Maul or something? Yeah. He looks, I feel like he reminds me very much of that. Um, Demon with the red face. She later sees the same demon behind Josh. And then Dalton's bedroom is just destroyed by unknown forces. This is like, it's destroyed like, like almost comically. Like it's fucking just ransacked to bits. Like unbelievable. Like it's just ridiculous and just ridiculous. Um, and uh, Josh's mother calls a psychic Elise, and then her little paranormal investigator cronies come along, who are called Specs and Tucker. And basically, they find out with the direct quote from the movie, it's not the house that's haunted, it's your son. Love that quote in the movie. Um, in Dalton's bedroom, Elise the psychic sees a vision of this red-faced demon, and... Elise is explaining that Dalton is not in a coma. He was born with the ability to astral project his consciousness. And he was unknowingly doing this in his sleep because he's so young. He just thought he was dreaming. Like he didn't think anything out of the ordinary was happening. He just thought he was dreaming. But this time he traveled a little bit too far. And he's now, you know, in this purgatory dimension called the further. This is a very, very scary place that is inhabited by tortured spirits of the deceased. Um, And without his consciousness present, his body is comatose, basically. Um, But the spirits are still wanting to use it so they can re-enter the physical world. Um, 
Josh calls bullshit and he's like, this whole thing's a fucking scam, blah, blah, blah. And he kicks out Elise and her team. But later on, he finds drawings in Dalton's bedroom that seem to like confirm Elise's theory. He basically finds a drawing from his son Dalton of this red-faced demon. Um, and a whole bunch of other drawings too, but it's just super fucking creepy. Josh brings Elise and her team back and then they do a little seance to try to contact Dalton. Um, the seance goes horribly wrong and then Elise explains that she's known Josh's mom for decades and previously helped Josh when he was a kid. So that means Josh also possesses the ability to astral project. But he, now as he's gotten older and Lorraine has helped him get through this, he kind of suppressed his memory of it. And then his demon, though, was literally like this is why i used to love this movie the first time i saw it like many many years ago when i was in high school um his demon is terrifying it's a scary 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 old lady um it was very scary um but the only way to rescue dalton is for josh to go into the further and save him and bring him back yeah, do it himself right so they use this little like thing that like this little machine that ticks back and forth like you can see you know goes tick, tick tick like so it's putting josh in um like a hypnotic trance and he is able to project himself into the further he finally finds his way to dalton and just coming across like a fuck ton of ghosts along the way all different kinds of ghosts and there's just a bunch of like jump scares in this section of the movie too um the one is I don't know if we got to it yet in the movie, but I, I believe it's around this time is when it's like it, it cuts really quick from the whole family is like, you know, stoic and not doing anything. And then it cuts and they're all smiling, like really fucking creepy. And then it cuts away real quick and then they're all dead. Right. Um, I don't know how to better explain that, but it's, it's just, everything's fucking scary in this. Not everything, but like there's a lot of creepy visuals in this movie. Um, and then he finally frees Dalton, but they are chased and attacked by this lipstick face demon while the spirits of the further are now like entering the real world and terrorizing, you know, the whole, you know, the psychic, the investigative team and Renee. And then Josh is finally confronted by his scary, scary, scary old woman ghost that torments him as a child. But finally, he's trying to just overcome his fear, and it appears that she's, like, retreating from him. Like, she's not really seen anymore, and you think it's all good. Right. You he, think that his problem is resolved. Yeah, he fronted it. He I can't put together a sentence. He confronted his fears, and everything's all fine and dandy. So, Josh and Dalton wake up in the real world, and the spirits vanish. Everything's all happy ending and the family's celebrating their victory and it's all happy and the movie's over. Is it over? It's not over. It's not over. Um, so anyways, Elise is sensing something is different about Josh. She goes to um, take something from him. I forget if it's like a picture or something, but she reaches out to grab something from him and she's then that's when she's like, ooh, something. She gets like a weird vibe and something's not right. So she goes to snap a photo of him and Josh 
does not like his picture taken. He hasn't at any point in the movie. Um, but he becomes angry, very irate, and just snaps. And he fucking strangles her and strangles her. And this house that they're living in is so fucking big um, that no one really hears it. And so Renee discovers Elise's corpse. And so Josh literally fucking killed the psychic because she took a picture of him. And then when Elise picks up the photograph that, um, excuse me, when Renee picks up the photograph that Elise took, she was taking it on like an old fashioned Polaroid. So it was finally developed. Yeah, so developed right away. Yeah. Um, she picked it up and it's a picture of the old woman from his childhood. So that means that this ghost slipped into his body when he confronted her in the further. And then it shows you a, a flashback to several minutes ago when she first was taking that item from Josh and the hand, you saw the creepy old lady's like thumbnail. Like it wasn't Josh's hand, it was the old lady hand. So that's how you find out that Elise knew that it was not actually Josh. Um, so Renee is like super fucking creeped out now and Josh appears behind her. And he's like, hey, I'm right here. And then Renee, like, lets out a frightened, like, oh, my God, you know, and then cuts to black and the movie is over. So I used to, when I watched this in high school, um, it was terrifying. There were so many jump scares. And I just, this movie really got to me when I was a little bit younger. Um, but rewatching it it started very slow and the end is really where it's at um but i'd still give it like a seven out of ten i would think seven and a half out of ten okay but that's insidious who else are you looking forward to meeting at chiller my list actually got a little bit bigger than you expected than was, yeah um, I only had a handful of people, but Jim Doyle's definitely one. He played the original Freddy hand in, in the bathtub. The first Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. yeah. He also did it through the walls oh. at points. Okay. Um, I'm looking forward to William Fitchner. That was just a fun one because I love the show Mother. Mom. Mom, whatever it is. <laughs> Close enough. It's a comedy that I don't like go out of my way to watch, but if it's on TV, I'll watch it. And, and it was on a couple of times throughout the, our Michigan trip, it right? Was, yeah. 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 Um, there was another person. So I'm actually looking forward to meeting him. I'm going to start a Storm of the... Or, sorry, not a Storm of the Century. Perfect Storm movie poster. And there's another guest who's going to be there, too. Um, say it's like... Jim Guyton or something like that. I don't remember. I can't remember hand. his name. But um, Brooke Brink Stevens. Brink Stevens. Yep. Sorry. Thank you. Was on our list. Uh, I'm gonna meet Billy Zane for a friend. I think Priscilla Presley. Yeah, I think I'm gonna meet Priscilla Presley with Rob. Um, all the the Carnegie Wilson, like all the musicians, I'm most likely gonna meet. So and. I added, like, Mark Holton as a maybe on my list. I've met him before, but I could add him to another cast piece. So Little Giants? Yeah. Okay. So Chillers, it, it's one of those, I already have tickets. I'm committed to staying over with my friend. I didn't have a huge guest list. I still don't really have that big of a list, but at least there's a few more people now, so it should occupy my day for the most part. I was going to say, you'll stay busy, I think. Yeah. So that was our... 
preparing for chiller episode and join us next Monday for our little recap of our chiller experience and Jeremy and I are not going to the show together so maybe we'll have two different outlooks on it um so we will see next Monday bye bye